0: i mm-hmm. good morning. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that this morning, we are the only church in America to have played the song, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd, right? Now, I don't bring to brag about that. How many of you know that song? Remember that song? There's a number of you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, It's a great song. Um, I'm going to put her out there Heather told me, I don't think I've ever sang this song before midnight before. (laughs) I thought thought that's so good. It's just one of those songs that late at night, it's like, let's play Pink Floyd, right? Uh, That's the way it goes. Well, here's the story behind this song. Uh, Coming off from a whirlwind tour of three years, the band Pink Floyd was really spiraling from this enormous rise to fame in the early 70s. Their previous release Dark Side of the Moon uh, had topped the charts and slipped them uh, into the category of the most sought after bands of that decade. And today, that album, Dark Side of the Moon, is considered one of Rock's all-time great albums. So by 1975, Pink Floyd was exhausted. They were tired. They had just uh, recently lost their front man, Uh, Sid Barrett to drug addiction, to mental instability. He was getting care. But they had traversed the world multiple times while on tour. And meanwhile, a great challenge lied ahead of them. They had to somehow figure out how they were going to write another album that would somehow compete with or at least live up to the expectations of Dark Side of the Moon. In an article written about Pink Floyd, a couple years ago, Andrew Leahy writes this about the group as they headed into the studio in 1975. He says, The guys had become multi millionaires in the wake of Darkseid's success, but they'd also become cash cows for a corporate label, and the camaraderie that once existed between them had grown strained. They were tired, they were anxious. And yet, they were brought into the Abbey Road Studios in 1975 and told by their label, write another one. Make it as good as your previous one. Little did they know that they would end up writing one of their most played, most popular songs of all time in those few months in the studio. They would end up coming out with, in, the, about, uh, in August of that year, the album, Wish You Were Here, It has become a truly classic album. The album has sold more than 20 million copies over the years and is listed second among Pink Floyd's 36 albums just behind Dark Side of the Moon. The title track to the album, which you just heard, Wish You Were Here, is equally as popular. And its popularity, believe it or not, has been on the rise for the last 10 years. If you go to a middle school today, which my daughter is a part of, you will not be surprised to see a eighth grader wearing a Pink Floyd T-shirt. It's not uncommon. Uh, I'm pretty sure I've seen them in Target even, which I don't know how Pink Floyd feels about that, but it doesn't matter. The band, the song, the music is, is here, and it's here to say. I, I looked it up on Spotify. It's been play, played. Wish you were, it's been played more than a half billion times on Spotify, And while the haunting sound of that song has always been a draw, I think, to listeners, the lyrics itself seem to have struck a chord with listeners across generations. In particular, the chorus is relatable on so many levels. The band writes, how I wish, how I wish you were here. We're just two lost souls swimming in a fishbowl year after year, running over the same old ground What have we found the same old fears? Wish you were here. I, I think all of us have this enormous longing for something greater, something bigger than ourselves. Live long enough with the same patterns, with the same fears, with the same pain, and you'll begin to long desperately for something else. To bring hope and purpose and a brighter future. I think at some point in our lives, or at some point in our future lives, the words of that song will become our song. We wish you were here. We we wish there was something greater, something bigger than just swimming in this fishbowl year after year, running over the same old ground with the same old fears. It's part of the human experience, isn't it, in a life, in a broken world. Not everything is neat and tidy and works out perfectly, especially around Christmas time. I I happened to go to Scottsdale Quarter this last week uh, to get my computer looked at, and I walked by Pottery Barn, and I thought, if only, right, if only Christmas was as neat and tidy and beautiful as Pottery Barn makes it seem. I mean, it is like, wow. Like, that is not what Christmas really looks like. Life is more about trudging through the mud and walking through the struggle and pain than it is living with ease and tidiness, isn't it? Into that comes Christmas. In many ways, the song, Wish You Were Here, could have been the anthem of first-century Jews awaiting the promise of a Messiah, a Savior. At the time of the first century, the Jews had been under the control of other nations for 800 years, first by the Assyrians, then the Babylonians, then the Persians, then the Greeks, and then finally the Romans. And amid all of it, God continues to send prophets like Isaiah To both call the Jews back to himself and to give the promise of a better future in the midst of all of their struggle. In particular, God regularly promises the Jews a person who will come and save them. A Messiah, a king who will bring redemption and peace and purpose to a people continuously under the thumb of other nations. And oppression. For centuries, the prayer of the Jewish people really was, I wish you were here. Messiah, come now and save us. Year after year, we're running over the same old ground, and what have we found? Just the same old fears. We wish you were here. And all the while, they're holding on to this promise of the Old Testament prophets. They come into contact with words from the promises of the prophets that they hold on to so tightly that it becomes a part of their everyday prayer and aspiration. Promises like that found in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7. Now, you may have heard this passage before around Christmas time, but I hope in the context of what we're talking about, maybe it will bring new meaning to you this morning. Here's what Isaiah says as a promise God gives to his people in the first century and beyond. For the child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity the passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. These words describe a Messiah that won't just come and remove the powers that be on the earth, but a Messiah who will bring the greatest desires of every human heart. He will come to bring hope. He will come To bring comfort and joy to those who are stuck in pain and sadness. To those who just keep trudging over the same old ground, dealing with the same old fears and the same old sadness and struggle, comes a Messiah who comes to bring comfort and joy to the people he loves. You know, as I was reflecting on the words in Isaiah chapter 9, I became very aware that in our hearts in my heart when you strip it all away what I really desire is comfort and joy. We need comfort. What we need and I don't mean comfort like, you know, 21st century American comfort. I mean comfort like we're safe. We are secure. We are loved. We're forgiven. We need that sort of comfort. We need joy. I need joy in my life. In fact, you could argue that every pursuit in life is aimed at one of those two things. Almost everything we do is an endless search for comfort and joy. And we will turn over every rock we can find to discover those two things, won't we? The only problem is this. There is not a rock on this earth that can provide the comfort and joy the depths of our heart's desire. Yes, temporary comfort and joy can be found, don't get me wrong. But it's so fleeting, it feels almost like it never happened. Let's just take Christmas as a simple example, right? So many of us look forward to this time of the year. I know I do. I do love the, the Christmas season. I love Thanksgiving and the, all of the, the flair about it. I, I love the music, uh, decorations, the gift giving, the par- all that. We love that stuff. And, and it's good. There's nothing wrong in and of itself. But can we all admit that if we are looking for comfort and joy in our fake trees, needless gifts, and overhyped parties, we will sorely be disappointed on December 26th. It's not found there. You know, I say this every year, and I just say it again. On Christmas Day, my family gets up, and uh, it's, it's great. Now our kids are old. They used to get up at like 4.30 and wake us up, and the whole thing, we're like, get away. Now they like, it's like, so they sleep it till 11, they're like, is it Christmas today? You know, uh, it's amazing. So they get up after we've been up for a while, and, and we open gifts, and we, you know, whatever, and then it's over. And there's nothing as over as Christmas, Right? All the hype and the anticipation and like comfort and joy. This is what it's going to do. And you tear open the presents and you eat the bread or the cinnamon roll. And then you're like, now what? It's just over. As soon as those gifts are open and the stockings are empty, what are we left with? Comfort and joy? For most of us, unlikely. At least not in that. And yet here we are again. Right? Here we are again at the beginning of the search for comfort and joy in the coming weeks. But as the song Wish You Were Here says, will we just run over the same old ground wondering what we found at the end of it? Wishing something will be different? Wishing someone would have been there for us at the end of this road? Because here's the promise of Christmas. You can stop Wishing someone or something would bring the comfort and joy you desperately desire. You could just stop wishing because the promise of Christmas says this. The wishing is over. The Messiah has come. We don't have to wish anymore. Comfort and joy can be found in a manger, not under a Christmas tree. You know, every year since my kids were little, we've asked them to make a Christmas wish list, right? So we can kind of tell grandparents and aunts and uncles, like, what they would like for Christmas. That's fine. Uh, It's a laundry list of things and stuff they want for Christmas. And I'm pretty sure that all of us, whether we write it down or not, all of us have a running Christmas wish list, (laughs) right? And I don't just mean presents. I mean what we wish will happen in the coming weeks. And maybe they aren't written down, but they are etched in our minds. A list of things we wish will happen or we will receive or we'll get to do in the coming weeks. A list that will, you know, hope to bring us the comfort and joy we desire. You know, and in fact, as I was writing those sentences this week, it dawned on me that I have a Christmas wish list. And at the top of my list is just leave me alone, right? Right? <laughs> That's it. Just leave me alone. Not you. Just everybody else. Leave me alone. I mean, I was out. I had to go to Home Depot to get some stuff for here. I, I, I've never tried so hardly or hard to not yell at people in a parking lot in a public place. Just leave me alone. Let me get my stuff and get out of here, right? But things just started coming to mind for me when I started thinking, like, what is my Christmas wish List things that I am wishing for that I just don't even realize. I am looking for comfort and joy in them. Now, don't get me wrong, most of those things are good. There's there's nothing in and of themselves that are bad. You know, they could create memories and they do bring quiet and enjoyment in the present time, but none of them will bring lasting comfort and joy to my life, or to yours. An 80-inch TV might be cool, but I hate to break it to you. It won't bring you a whole lot of comfort and joy for the future. Your football games will look amazing, but it won't satisfy. So this Christmas season, I want to extend a challenge to you. I want to extend a challenge to me. And maybe it's one that you already do, maybe not. But I'm pretty certain this is the recipe for us truly experiencing the comfort and joy promised during this season. And here's the the challenge to you. I want you to stop wishing and start remembering. Let's stop wishing everything. And let's start remembering. You know, when Isaiah 9 was written, the people of God were still wishing. They were still hoping and praying that the Messiah would come. You know, there's one word in that passage that keeps coming up over and over again, and it's the word will. Isaiah says the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called. He will rule with fairness and justice. The Lord of Heaven armies will make this happen. It's this future tense, something that is yet to come. But we now, we do not live as if this is still something that has yet to come. We now live knowing that Christmas has happened. I would love if they would give me the ability to, to change the words of Isaiah chapter 9, if I could, just to go in and, and scratch them out. In fact, I kind of did, and I think it applies. Obviously, there's context to it, but for us, I think it should read more like this. Now, I'm going to put the passage up on the screen, and then I'm going to read what I think we should read it as. For a child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. The government rests on his shoulders. And he is called. Wonderful counselor. Mighty God. Everlasting father. Prince of peace. His government and its peace never ends he rules with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor, David, David, for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of the heavens' armies made this happen. Amen. They, <laughs> I mean, it was really clear to me this week that God was saying, why are you wishing for this? What are you wishing for? Wish? Man, I made this happen. It has happened. He has come. He is our Emmanuel. He is God with us. So let's stop wishing and just start remembering. It's already here. Let's start remembering that Jesus came to us and for us. While we were still in our sin, while we were still struggling through the years, wishing he was here, he came. Jesus is here. The wonderful counselor. He is the one who provides comfort and guidance. Jesus is the mighty God fighting for us and protecting us. Jesus is our everlasting father, shaping us and loving us. He is our prince of peace, walking with us in the darkest of moments. There's no more wishing. There's only remembering. Yeah. Listen, comfort and joy, they are not found at Target. It's not there. You can't find them on the Hallmark channel. God forbid you look there. You will not see it. I turned that on the other day. And I was like, what is ha- You know, they made 20 new Hallmark movies this year. 20! You know why they make 20? Because y'all watch them. That's what I'm sorry. I don't get it. You won't find any comfort and joy in there. You just feel bad about yourself. I did. I watched five minutes. I was like, I don't look like that guy, and my house doesn't look like that. Click off. You won't, yeah, okay, one person. We're here. Look, you won't, you won't find comfort and joy under your tree. They aren't hiding at the princess resort, they're only found in the person of Jesus. Man, isn't that good news? He's the one who came for you. You. 2,000 years later, he had you in mind. When he left heaven and was born on this earth in the same manner that you were born. He cried for his mother on that cold night. He came for you to bring you comfort, to bring you joy, to give you rest, and peace, and hope. Stop wishing this Christmas, and let's just start remembering. Wow! I don't have to wish for anything. It is here, and it is found in the person of Jesus. So this this Christmas, I was thinking about, how can we do this? Because I know, it is so easy to get in your car, and you turn on 99.9, and you hear Jingle Bell Rock for the 80th time that day, And you drive home and you get home and you got to make food, you got to decorate the house, you got to do all these things, and taxi and the whole deal. I get it. How do we do that? How do we put this into practice and still manage our lives at this season? And then my daughter's name came to mind. My daughter's name is Selah. Beautiful name, S E L A H. And it was intentional on our part when we named her Selah. The word is an ancient term that's only found in the Psalms. And at certain points during some of the psalms, you'll see this word. And and actually, the page actually kind of hints at what the word means. There's part of a text, and then a big break, and then the word selah, and then the rest of the text. And at certain points during some of the psalms, the ancient practice was to simply stop and think about what I just heard. To stop and remember, in fact the word sela in its ancient Hebrew root means to pause and consider. Some texts will say it is a divine pause. It's the practice of taking a moment to simply remember and reflect on what you just read, what you just heard, to pause and consider what all this means. So, this Christmas, I want us to say, La, to pause and remember. To pause and remember that comfort and joy only comes from Jesus. To pause and consider how Christmas is not about wishing, but it is about remembering. And so, when you're in the kitchen making cookies, would you just take a moment and say, La? When you're running errands and you're searching for a parking spot and you land that parking spot, would you just take a deep breath and say, La? Pause and consider. When, when you're scrolling Amazon and you can't find the grandkid's toy, you can't just find the right gift, would you just stop, put your phone down, and say, La? When you're rushing to the next event or the park or wherever you're going, would you, would you just stop and say love? Would you just pause and remember and consider the comfort and joy that came through Christ's arrival? In fact, I want us to do this right now. I want us to pause and consider what we have just heard. To consider what God has just spoken to us. About this Christmas season. To take a moment to remember and thank Jesus for his coming to us. To push pause on your racing mind and your anxious heart to remember the joy and comfort that only comes through him. So let's together, just for a minute in the quiet, say, Pause and consider. Father God, we we come to you this morning, humbled and grateful. We come here this morning confessing that that we get caught in all of it. It's so easy that we get caught in the, the rat race of Christmas and we sleep. We have our wish lists, and and I think this Christmas what you're calling us to is to stop wishing it and simply start remembering, to remember that you have come, to remember that you are the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace to remember that comfort and joy, those two things we seek after year after year are only found in the person and the work of Jesus. I know that people have walked in here with racing minds and anxious hearts, with pain and suffering and struggle. And I just pray in this moment, God, that you would reassure them that what you promised in Isaiah nine, Happened in real time and in real space, that Jesus left royalty in heaven, to come to earth, to be among us, to live the life that we couldn't live, to walk all the way to His death willingly, to die the death we deserve, for a rebellion for our sin, and then to rise again three days later to give us the hope of new life, a life that begins right now. life where we experience comfort and joy in him alone. I pray in the coming weeks, Lord, that you would bring to mind that word Selah. That as we are hustling and bustling and doing the Christmas stuff, all good, fun, enjoyable, that we would hear that word, that we would stop and we would pause, we would consider that it would bring a smile to our face, that it would bring a lightness to our feet, that it would bring comfort and joy to our heart and our soul. We thank you for Jesus, our Emmanuel, our God who is with us. His final words before he left his disciples were, and I will be with you always. We hold on to that promise this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.